Hi, thank you so much for downloading our Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm Burke Allen. We're live in Washington, D.C., and we're in the middle of a very special three-part conversation about the family history. And wow, what a history it was. So much happened before I was born. I wanted to get it committed uh, somewhere, because maybe there's a book in there somewhere. Uh, maybe there's an interesting and compelling story, and maybe you've heard something that will inspire you uh, to really look beyond uh, what's going on in your day-to-day world and not take things for granted quite so much. My family uh, includes a, a mom and dad who were both confined to wheelchairs. My mom was a childhood polio victim, my dad a disabled vet, and yet they were able to put together a life for themselves at a time in this country when there was no Americans with Disabilities Act. There were no ramps on sidewalks. Most handicapped folks were sort of shut away and, and taken care of by their families, but, but not necessarily given an opportunity to, to do more than survive, to actually thrive in the world. Well, my mom's mom decided that uh, my mom was going to be able to have every advantage that she could and be treated just like everyone else in the world. But Larry, who was right there to witness everything that happened, says there was a massive breakdown in the family dynamic when my mom was actually literally held prisoner in her own home. Here's Larry Barrett to tell us what happened as we wrap up this trilogy of stories on the Big Time Talker podcast. All of the members of the family, because everybody, again, from, from your grandma's or your grandmother's perspective, the family had to rally around your grandmother because she was the, the dominant character in the family at that time. So yeah. that, that was a big deal, and that was a lot of trouble. Again, a, another period of major transition, not just for your mom, because, uh, but it was a, a huge transition for your uncle. It was a devastating time for your grandmother. And, uh, and every, everybody, I would assume, the aunts, the uncles, mom and dad, my mom and dad and so forth, I'm sure felt a lot of compassion for Pat uh, in this period of time. But uh, Pat, Pat was actually locked in the house and she couldn't get, didn't have the keys to the car. Uh, your grandmother wouldn't let her out of the house unless one of the family members that your grandmother held totally accountable for, for to be with Pat or to, to make sure Pat and Stan weren't seeing each other. That's the only time Pat was even permitted out of the house. Wow. It was an awful time for Pat. It, it was a brutal time for your mom and your dad and mom, your mom were really, they had known each other long enough. They had actually dated, uh, yeah. not known to your grandmother. Uh, and they had fallen in love, deeply fallen in love. And so you can imagine when two people are separated, uh, that must have seemed like the end of the world. And I remember, <laughs> and 
you know, your your grandmother wouldn't let have, wouldn't permit your mother access even on the telephone. So if a call was coming in, it had to come in from someone your your grandmother knew and trusted. And if if it was someone other than that, then that call never went through to your mom. So the way your mom and dad communicated, you'll recall when this conversation started between us today, uh, we would, your mom and I uh, love to sit down on your grandmother's front porch, overlooking a portion of the city. Right. And, uh, but also there was a little river that ran through uh, uh, the, the the Guyandot River. Sure. That runs right through town. Ran through the the, uh, the valley, and on the other side of the Guyandot River was a huge island, and on that huge island, uh, there were there were, it was like a park. There were sports uh, facilities, baseball, and that's where things like that were played. But there was also a high school over there. So your father would drive on in, on to the island, as we called it. And he would point his car toward our uh, Pat's house on High Street, which is about halfway up the mountain. Right. And he would flash his lights, and she would. Your mom would have a flashlight, and she would flash a flash, or she would turn the flashlight on and flash things back to Stan. Uh, so they continued their relationship again due to their absolute determination that somehow some way this was going to they're going to make it work out front front porch morse code and you're an accomplice (laughs) i know and if they had if if they were sending uh codes to each other i certainly couldn't decode what was going on i just remember being out on the porch and stan would be over on the island and he'd be flashing his car lights and your mom was on the front porch and she's responding to him with her flashlight so did the guys uh, in the family like you and and my mom's brother my uncle jesse did you guys like him were you wary of where this was going how did you guys feel about the fact that she was getting really serious with my father? I mean, I'm sure you had to be uh, to some extent, a little nervous as to how all that would play out. I mean, how are two people in wheelchairs in the 1950s going to make it on their own? Uh, I would say that was a concern for everyone because there there was no context to, to there's no playbook for that. No, there's no playbook for that. So, as guardians uh, for Pat's well-being by all of the family members uh, and with your grandmother, who was quite honestly the dominant figure, not only in our family, but anyone else that was in within shouting distance and Logan. <laughs> and so when your grandmother was so opposed to that, and again, she was coming at it from a different perspective, good intended, but ill-advised. She was trying, she had this thing, motherly thing, where it was her responsibility for the well-being of her daughter. And so she was fighting with all of her, with every 
everything uh, that she could. And so everybody else probably, I don't remember discussions about Stan and Pat other than just getting standing up, getting in line behind this old lady and, and sort of, and since you had no, there was no playbook, you didn't know uh, uh, how this would ever turn out to be something as stunning as it was. So everybody had a concern. You know, two crippled people getting married, are you kidding me? You know, so, so uh, you're, they just lined up because no one wanted to take grandmother on anyway, but they also had concerns themselves. Uh, themselves. And my involvement was totally different. Pat and I were like brother and sister. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so from the time I can remember first being capable, mentally capable of playing games, Pat and I played games every, every weekend. We went to the movies together. We, you know, your uncle took us to, uh, movie theaters and towns quite a ways from Logan. I mean, we, we, Pat and I just were kids together. Right. And so I had a whole total, total, totally different perspective. And uh, your the thing that sort of uh, uh, was the 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 incidences that that formed my opinion about what was going on. And I don't know if you know this, but. Uh, when your mom was locked in the house and when your grandmother was watching every move that your your mother made, mm -hmm. even to the extent of now, since Stan's over there on the island and he's communicating with your mom with, with his car lights, she, she prohibited Pat from even going out on the porch. When, when she would see Stan was over there. Wow. And so it became, Pat became uh, more and more isolated and became more and more depressed because it, it long passed that their friendship developed into loving each other as human beings and contemplating being married. And so there and your your uncle was home that day i remember that and i was over there and pat locked herself into the bathroom and those days you had natural gas and open stoves that uh, that's how you heated your house and uh and i just remember your uncle screaming for Pat to open the door because he could smell gas in the uh, ba bathroom. So Pat was determined, if I can't have it this way, I don't want it any other way. And so she tried to commit suicide. Your uncle was upset because he was afraid Pat was going to die. And he was screaming for Pat to open the door. And then I can't remember, it was so, so hectic and so much, commotion going on I, I was there but junior somehow managed to get that door off and he was so upset with her 
because again, he saw that as something she did that was harmful to her and potentially fatal. Sure. And it would be devastating uh, to her, his mother. And so he thought that was <laughs> an act of selflessness or selfishness. <laughs> and so at any rate, he uh, then, it, so this whole thing now is in, in a death spiral. And, uh, and then how it all changed is working with your mom or your, yeah, your mom. Uh, we secretly planned a wedding and, uh, and we arranged the church service, the whole nine yards. And of course, Stan's family really played a major role in this. And you were a senior in high school when this happened. This was 1960, the year you graduated. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, who helped put this thing together for her? Uh, it, primarily, it was with the support of, of Stanley's family because it, it involved money. I didn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> You're a senior in high school. I got it. Yeah. So someone, you know, was footing the bill for the dresses and the suits and the and the church service and getting the message out to the, the, the Pat's friends and some family members. Who can and, keep it a secret from her mother? Oh, absolutely. They No one knew until that was long after that happened. And, uh, and I just remember that as a tumultuous time in the family and uh and if did her he, father go do you know um, did her what, father go to the wedding no well I, he i take that back you know that's a good question he may have i don't remember that i just remember it was primarily stan's family might have been stan and then i was there and uh and it it was just it, it just it, it really, to say it was a death spiral, the family death spiral, that, that was a hard moment for Pat and Stan in terms of, of Pat's relationship to her family. Of course, Stan's family supported it totally. Right. And, uh, and it created a, a hardship for me and, and not anything terribly bad, but people were plenty pissed with me. And uh, and so that was a, a tough moment. You look but, back I mean, on it now after all these years? Are you glad you helped? Are you glad you were there? No, it, was, it had to be that way. Somebody, someone in the family had to be there. And someone not just had to be there, wanted to be there. And, and, and for Pat to understand that not everyone was a tell of the hun in this thing. It, 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 even I think junior, your, your uncle, mom, dad, other aunts and uncles, nobody would speak up in support of this in any way because it was just so painful at 74 high street. And, uh, and, and your grandmother 
just fell apart. It was, it was like the end of the world for her. But uh, Pat being Pat, she, she did it. She used it again. And there's another springboard into her independence to even a higher level. And she married the man she dearly loved. She had the son that she always wanted. And, uh, and things over a long period of time sort of settled down. And, uh, and so I have vivid remember, uh, memories of time spent at, at your grandmother's home when I was maybe still in college, but certainly even not in college, I'd already maybe just when I first started to go to work. And we were all, we would spend Christmases there. Stan would be there. Pat would be there. Right. And, and uh, so it's like everything. Uh, that was a, a horrible, miserable time for Pat's support system. But that was because her mother was so adamantly opposed to this. But Stan, or your Stan and your mom, that afternoon they felt fine, and they never looked back. I mean, this is <laughs> the worst thing to do. When and I was a know, kid, Larry, I never once heard um, my grandmother call my dad by his name without the word "that" before it. You know, that well, don't, Stanley don't Adkins. Don't feel bad. She referred to my father that way until the day he died. <laughs> <laughs> that. Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> they were never good enough. Um, That's right. So that was a big year for everybody. So you graduated from high school that year. My mom got married. This is 1960. And then she joined the city of Logan city government as the police clerk there um, and she became a That's career cool. woman for 30 years. She ran the police department there as the police clerk. Yeah, clearly. And, and again, that, that's just, I mean, you can take these isolated things that become a picture of one's life and you can see it was just, Pat never stopped growing, never stopped experimenting. Pat never stopped her, her desire to become even more important today than she was yesterday. And, uh, and so getting a job and going to work like anyone else, anywhere else, that's just the way Pat thought. And, uh, and she, she, had, she, she was incapable of ever seeing life in any other fashion. And you remember at her uh, funeral and the obituary or the, uh, this, the talk that I gave and I said she she was fortunate she lived life from age one until she was 19 or 20 just like any other kid and she never saw herself any different than any other kid and then she lived her life from the day she was married until the day she died just like any other married couple and uh, uh, and she loved her husband dearly. 
They both adored each other. They both worked hard throughout their lives. They were independent financially, and they were independent in terms of being a, their movement, being able to do anything you could do today. Go to the grocery store, go get your hair done, uh, you know, whatever, get a haircut. They, they just thought of life that way. And, and thankfully, all of this past, this bad blood that, that was created at the time because you know and you know pat just that had to go through that she understood that this was going to be really a devastating event for her grandma or for her mother but you know what pat understood that and then she when she weighed the two marrying the man i love and avoiding that that turmoil with her mother or bowing down to her mother's wishes and not marrying the man that she loved. And she, it was crystal clear in her mind what the right, what the right thing to do was, and she did it. And, uh, and she worked over time to repair things with her, with her mother, and she did it. But it was a tough time. And again, she did the right thing, the bold thing, and she did it after carefully considering the consequences of her actions and, and it, uh, it wound up being you know clearly the right decision and something that she could go on and and say look you know this was this was the right way to go um you know growing up in that house and that's why i never put much stock on uh, the uniqueness of the story because to me it was just life and i was in older elementary school before i realized that i was growing up in a way that was different than any other kid because they didn't make it like I was growing up different than any other kid because no. they went to work and they went to the grocery store and they had workarounds. They figured out how to have lower kitchen cabinets, for example. And that's right. You know, TV trays, there were all these little, as I look back on them, I'm amazed these workarounds in the house um, that were pretty ingenious for their time because there was no there was no playbook there was no template no no and and ingenious only in the sense that the the person who had to think about those things and then cre create uh, the workaround everything from the design to the execution of it was your mom and dad yeah the carport for example to keep the you know you think people have carports or garages to keep the weather off the car it was to keep the weather off of them so that <laughs> right. they wouldn't get rained on or snowed on because it took 10 minutes to get into the car and get out of the house. Yeah, you know? it, it, it was, again, I compartmentalize your mother's life uh, as a young lady, say, below the age of 10, and then uh, of a high school, co college graduate, and then as finding the love of her life, and then as making that probably most fateful decision she ever had to make, I can bow down to the wishes of the family, specifically her mother, and I, or I can marry the man I dearly love and who loves me. And she didn't take that, make that decision lightly. 
it was there's a lot of talk and discussions going on behind the scenes but in the end she she said regardless of the consequences that this might ha permanently have in her life uh she knew the right thing in her heart to do was she married your father and as a kid i remember larry her working at the police department and you know, she typed every warrant that I think came in and out of there for 30 years because most of the policemen, you know, didn't type, um, went to work six days a week, including Saturday mornings, uh, you know, just like everybody else. Uh, I remember there was one time uh, when I was a kid where uh, there was a succession of mayors and police chiefs. She went through uh, probably seven or eight of them during her career there. And one of them decided he wanted to to put her on the overnight shift and bring in a friend and uh, and she fought that really hard and the whole town rallied around her. So um, mm -hmm. it was, she was the, an interesting, very strong, determined lady. Well, and she, to a point you made earlier, Bert, the reason she had all of the support that she did uh, from town, just town people who lived in the town, is she was an inspiration. And those were stories that parents could share with their children and the children would understand the, 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 the magnitude of, of the decisions that Pat had to make. Now, most people I, I doubt knew exactly what was going on when your grandmother went into lockdown. But, uh, right. but the point of it is, is uh, everyone knew there was a lot of stress going on for a long time in the family but 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 again i keep going back i loved my life when i was a kid your mom and i were like brothers and sisters we were constantly together uh as as young young people and then we got into high your mom went to high school she obviously finished before i did but uh, I think I was six years, believe I'm right, six years younger than your mom. But that was a glorious time for everyone, for your grandmother, for your mother, for all the relatives, you know, that growing up as a kid, that that was a good time. And then uh, for the longest time, after, uh, even after your mom and dad first met, I mean, everybody looked at Stan as what a really nice guy and the things he's doing, what a thoughtful thing to do. And they parlayed themselves uh, activities after that. So that's when your grandmother bought the, your mom a car and your grandmother encouraged your mom to get out and do her thing. And, and, uh, and, and but your grandmother never envisioned, but, but, and for many legitimate reasons she she was the mother figure and she was going to protect that child for the rest of its life uh so it just went south when your grandmother lost that control position and maybe and, that's part of the reason why uh, you know my mom uh, would cleave to her father a little bit more because i think there was less judgment there of my dad and of her life choices you know the first house my parents ever owned was was built from you know lumber from my grandfather's uh brother's sawmill and the two grandfathers you know their, their yeah. two dads worked together to build that house and 
build it, you know, to handicap spec. Um, so maybe that's part of the reason why she always, you know, felt strongly about her dad. Well, and she did, but she felt strongly and for very obvious reasons. Uh, everybody adored Pat and her friends and her family and your, your grandfather being one. I mean, yeah, he loved Pat. And uh, the thing that I, where I guess your, your grandfather left me was the things he did to my, to my grandmother were, were thoughtless and they were humiliating to your, to your grandmother. And I could never forgive him for that. And I think that's how, honestly, everybody in the family felt. I mean, that was, that was a hole he dug and he stepped into the hole and nobody had much sympathy for him because of that. But Pat didn't didn't abandon her father. <laughs> like every child, she loved her mom, her her mother and her father. But for most of the family, your grandfather became an outlaw. It's not a non grata. Yeah, absolutely, and it was at his own making. And he he did that to himself. So yes, you're right. Your your mom loved your dad or your grand loved your your grandfather until the day he died do you um you know obviously you, you were closest to my mom when you guys were kids and growing up together but you were always around in my childhood and um i wonder if you remember uh when i was born you know the challenges that that were in front of them then because it's one thing to be man and a wife in wheelchairs trying to make it through your life. And then you bring a kid in to the mix too. Do you remember that whole piece of it and, and the challenges they had raising a kid? Cause I can tell you, I've raised a kid and, and it wore me out and I'm up on my feet. So I, I look back on it now. I have no idea how they were able to do that. And I, I say that with all humility, how they could manage to raise a child. Well, it, it never occurred to me that they, would fail at that uh, because it's just your parents were, I, I can't speak for your father because I didn't meet him until uh, uh, I guess what would that be the the 60s mid 60s or something and uh, but the, your parents were both of the belief that life that this this disaster which was in the case of your father and in that car accident and polio in the, in the case of your mother they just never thought about anything except they're going to live life just like you and i live life and so you make a very valid point about when the child came into the marriage but i put it in a in a context of this is just another chapter in their life. And there's not one chapter in that book that didn't contain challenges. And there's not one chapter in that book where in very quick order, they brought the challenge to its knees. And so, I, I mean, they, they took, it's just another day in paradise for them when you came along. 
And it wasn't that they didn't have challenges. They had a lot of things to learn. But you know what? Who doesn't? Newlyweds, first child comes down the pike. Everybody has. They face some of those challenges. It was more, more I think, uh, more difficult for your parents to get through the challenge. But they got through it. And you did fine. And you, you were, you know, you were just typical kid. They didn't have an easy time with you. You know my background. <laughs> I was wild uh, as a teenager, but not unlike any other child who's, sure. who's uh, working there. Well, just like your mom. Children, as they age, do things that are acts of, of creating an understanding of how I become an adult, independent of myself. And so these things... Uh, you came along, they loved you dearly, and when that happened, sort of the troops came came back and gathered around the the matriarch of the of the family and and your grandmother came around. she loved you dearly uh, and then that that's when it all started to come back together again. I would say it was it was a challenge for everyone until you came along. <laughs> and, and then you were you were the glue that brought the family back together again you it's, didn't uh, know that, i was not aware at the time <laughs> but anyway uh so uh you gave your parents challenges and your parents uh managed to get you through those times of your teenage year teenage years and uh, and they did it in in a responsible way, and uh, and so in that sense, they lived the same lives that you lived when you brought when your son came into your life, and same thing when children came into my life and my wife's life. Uh, you just muddle through it. And you learn as you go, and you get through it. And your mom and dad just never saw life any other way. So it was just another chapter in the book. And I think the uh, the book needs to be written. Larry, thanks for spending some time with me today. It's uh, I know they're my parents, but it's a pretty incredible story. It's an absolutely uh, story of hope and and courage. And it is something that when shared with others, regardless of your age and regardless of your background, it's inspiring. And uh, so you do have a story to tell. Thank you for listening in on the story today on our Big Time Talker podcast brought to you by SpeakerMatch.com. Thanks to my, my buddy, my cousin, Larry Barrett, being my guest today. Thank you for listening. Wherever you go, whatever you do, make it a great day. Bye, everybody.